travelers, and welcome to the Way of the Showman, where we view the world through the lens of showmanship. I am your gracious host, Captain Frodo, and what a pleasure it is to have you back with me here today for some more lessons and ideas and thoughts along the way of the showman. Today's episode will have a slightly different flavor. I will use a more elaborate language in a sense. We started already in episode two, the one that was called the Welcome to the New World, where we looked a little more deeply at poetry and uh, the so-called lost knowledge of the imagination, a deeper and more imaginative way of interacting with the world. And of course, there is a lot of depth in poetry. Each poem is like a compressed file in a sense where when you read it and read it again and read it again you find that these simple phrases actually by being simple and by being very accurate really can contain a whole lot of wisdom and today we're going to try to I'm going to read a poem and I'm going to read an essay and both have a more mythical quality to it because when you're looking at a poem it can always be unpacked and new revelations and new connections can can come from it because it's uh, you always have to boil things down in a poem and that means that you're left with an essence which can then be uh, diluted again when you have an idea that you want to express if you express it with too much brevity then you're left with a little poem or a little stanza and it needs a lot more effort from the reader or from the listener to unpack that and to understand it all and today we're going to deliver a few ideas and poems and whatnot with them which will require a little more living into it and like I mentioned later I will talk about how um, I am in fact using this poem almost as the basis for a whole book I'm writing but um, for now, I will just leave this idea to sort of warn you that today I will try to sort of expand the vocabulary and the way of talking about showmanship because there's something about the frivolous nature of what we do, which is, at least this is what it's perceived like from the audience. The people who watch our shows think it's a very shallow thing. They always ask us, well, what are you, what's your real job? What do you really do as a day job? And it's hard to imagine that somebody can do something as strange as what we do for a living. But I do think that the symbols and imagery of the circus and carnival, of magic, you know, of the secular show ma magic with doves and handkerchiefs, as well as occult magic that also can find a place in the carnival, all this is so powerful. And part of the reason why I call this podcast The Way of the Shaman is for the connotations that this has to a deep knowledge. The way of the shaman, the way of the samurai, the way of the mystic, or the way of the shaman. All these things are redolent and filled with these deep, ancient, kind of archaic ideas and knowledge, something that connects to something deeper in us human beings. And I do believe that this is present, at least as in seed form, in 
the circus and in the showmanship that we are talking about here, which is something I have been often been referring to as illuminated showmanship. An illuminated showman who seeks to illuminate himself but also seeks to illuminate his audience. And I love this dual meaning of illumination as both a way of knowledge and the fact that we are standing in the spotlight when we step onto the stage. So today I will present a few ideas which are to me filled with this kind of mythic potential. And today I will be using the language of poetry and of alchemy and, and I hope that we shall find a resonant conversation new for most of you. And I hope that it sparks a fire in your imagination. I will start with uh, reading a poem called An Illuminated Showman's Manifesto. It uh, came into existence um, as I lost uh, one year of work with the huge tsunami from the undersea earthquake 9.1 on the Richter scale uh, made a flood wave that uh, eventually destroyed Fukushima and it was a big deal and at the time we were about to travel to Hawaii with a show called La Soiree I was supposed to be there for uh, a year and uh, because the casino was uh, it was a uh, a Hilton Casino and a lot of the crowd that was going to be there were from Asia and as a result they were afraid that attendance would drop and they cancelled the season hence I was left five months without work from eight shows a week schedules that we had with La Soiree. Now I uh, decided well what can I do to fill the time and to pay the bills in the meantime and that was to put on a show I created a show called The Way of the Showman and I wanted to, as that show started, I wanted to have a poem. I wanted to say something more meaningful than I can squeeze through two rackets and here, look at me cut this rope in half, which is a lot of the kind of script and spiel that the showman delivers. So I wanted to say something meaningful that created a certain atmosphere that would then make them look at some of the more ridiculous things that I do in a slightly different point of view, that the crowd would be triggered by this mood that would then inform them to look at the show in a certain way. Now when I sat down to write this, it was a strange kind of experience where it happened very quickly, almost like uh, what I've read about is called automatic writing where I felt almost like it was delivered to me, a gift from the clown guards, as Nala puts it in his book, uh, the, the Clown Manifesto, a gift from the clown guards. And I believe that uh, Mark Ryden, a painter I very much enjoy looking at his works, that Mark Ryden, as he's a pop surrealist, and he's painted this painting called Jarjo, the patron saint of clowns and uh, he looks very cute and he has a little monkey helper. Anyway, this was perhaps like one of those. It was like the patron saint was sitting on my shoulder and whispering this poem into my head. And I didn't know it at the time that this would become very influential on me. In fact, the book that I'm writing at the moment, which is also called The Way of the Showman, it's the culmination of a 
10, 15 years of thinking about these thoughts and I'm now structuring it together into one long narrative. It's a kind of occult philosophy of showmanship, if you will. And uh, this poem describes the way of the showman and all these different aspects in it. So I've been using it as a springboard for that, uh, for that book. When I opened the show with this at the Butterfly Club in Melbourne, a tiny, very intimate, beautiful location, and great, suited this show just perfectly. There's maybe only like 60 seats or something in there. And as I opened up and I did this poem, it was very short, um, and uh, I didn't put the entire weight behind it, but already from the first day, the response that I got from it was incredible. And since it has expanded into a four minute uh, long bit with, there's a bit of magic in it and presentations, I do this uh, Eurythmy, it's like a style of movement, a kind of dance which visualizes sounds, which famously, uh, Steiner kids, kids who've gone to a Waldorf school can say that they can dance their name, but it is, more commonly in serious art expressions, it's used to visualize in movement the poetic content and the sound content of a poem. So I started to use this, and in a way, this illuminated showman's manifesto, which in a way almost coughed out to me onto the paper, which in hindsight has made me think of um, Alistair Crowley, who was dictated the entire book of the law, which formed a foundation for the, for Thelema, his uh, philosophy of magic. And he wrote that book in a fervor of uh, inspiration and then placed it in the attic and didn't want to look at it. And later on came back and looked at it and was almost surprised, if not almost, he was completely surprised to find just how deep it was. Now, I do not claim that this poem is anything like Crowley's Book of the Law, but uh, it has certainly been an eye-opening experience and a kind of guiding star in this poem. So, uh, here we go. An Illuminated Showman's Manifesto. I am a showman. First and foremost, it is a showman. I am. The illuminated showman is someone who faces the other way, who has walked with the crowd, then turned around to face the others. A showman cries for attention, but has something to show when he gets it. For a showman shows man, man, revealing the pulsing meat of human experience and reminding us of the inherent folly of all human endeavor. For as we laugh at the clown, we are laughing at ourselves. And when the showman performs on a market square, he creates a universe. <laughs> like the sun above, he attracts random bodies traveling through space. Like planets, they gather orderly around him, and the gravity of the showman warps time and warps space. And in this warped space, he steals the crowd's time. But like a twisted alchemical Robin Hood, he returns it refined as showtime. 
100% artificial and therefore completely human. I am a showman. First and foremost, it is a showman. I am. The reason I am reading the poem here in this podcast is because this is the podcast where I will read The Soul Spectacle. Here I delve deeply into the alchemical and uh, esoteric inspired by the history of uh, Western esotericism and uh, you will see here the reference to alchemy and of uh, the transmutation of the crowd and things of that nature and uh, I think as I start to read you will see how the two are beautifully connected in tone and with that it is time for today's essay The Soul Spectacle An illuminated showman's act is a manifestation of his inner development. The act is not only the demonstration of his mastery of the craft, it is also an exoteric expression of his soul. The act demonstrates on a deeper level his understanding of life, vocation, enthusiasm, attention, culture, craft, and the individual's place in it all. The performance beams all this from the heart of the illuminated showman into the crowd's eye. The crowd's eye is different from the spectator's individual eyes. The crowd's eye is their collective eye, the group's third eye, if you will. It is not physically manifested, of course. It is a state of collective perception that emerges when a crowd has been so completely engaged that each individual loses some of their individuality and gives themselves over to the group self. They no longer think about their outward appearances uh, or how they are perceived by others. They are no longer self-conscious. Physical traits that indicates individuals have reached this state can be extreme animations of facial expressions, like young children spectators begin mirroring the minute changes in their emotions with their faces. This creates a stream of expressions, something a regular adult normally refrains from. The spectator, so to speak, wears their hearts on their sleeves. Outer signs visible to the showman from the stage are mouths agape, hands or whole awkward body postures frozen in mid-gesture for extended periods of time. The act and the showman's souls are intrinsically linked like two sides of a coin, each reflecting the other. Each performance of the act becomes, whether intended or not, a reflection of the showman his maturity as an artist, technicians of the craft, and human being. The reflections of the inner development will always be present in the act, yet brilliance is achieved through focused work. An important aspect of the craft is to refine the facets of the show lens to project the soul with utmost clarity and vividness. This work on the act 
becomes work on oneself. Whatever form the act takes, be it a vaudeville act with eight minutes of brilliance or a full evening show of grand razzle-dazzle and epic proportions, the work is in perpetual development. Most commonly, the sole spectacle is an act as opposed to a full-length show. A longer performance is more complex and harder to perfect. The relationship is like between a short story and a novel, or an essay and a fleshed-out book-length thesis. Sometimes the story or ideas are so rich and complex that they can only be expressed in one hour, and then the work must and will be done on a long-form act, a full evening show. The nature of the soul spectacle lends itself to simplicity of expression. Every crowd is different, and getting them unified and receptive to the full impact of your act becomes more difficult with the longer forms with its extended complexity. Everything can always be improved and refined. There is always more work to be done, more detail and layers to be added and things to change. Perfection is unattainable, but nonetheless, it is the goal. The material in the act changes over time. The presentation evolves, new skills are added or subtracted, and the act's constant development reflects the growth and change of the performer. The skills presented develops, and thus the technical aspects grow. The meaningful content of the show grows as the man presenting the act grows. The showman's experience and knowledge of the world gets focused and presented. The showman shows man man. As life itself is endless in its permutations and complexity, so is its expressions through the individual showman's soul spectacle. New knowledge has a snowballing effect. The more you learn, the more you elevate yourself, and thus you see further. The effect of reaching a new peak, great as it is, is to see further into the vastness of your own ignorance. What you don't know fills libraries, fills entire universes. Encounters of one's limitation, they produce a humbling effect, which eventually softens the individual's drive towards separation and solipsism triumphs, tragedies, insights, illuminations and life lived shapes us and becomes part of us and is thus reflected in our soul spectacle. The soul spectacle is the product of initiations and developments along the way of the showman. The study of the craft, the skills displayed, the presentation of the material, the way to connect with the crowd, unifying the crowd, manifesting the crowd's eye, the philosophical themes, the tone, the character, the thoughts presented, the great work undertaken to understand and develop the individual human personal aspects of a showman, the esoteric studies of the one who faces the other way, and his place in the world. All this, the sum total exists in the soul spectacle. It is all there for the crowd to see for them to witness as the showman showcases his masterpiece. Alchemical Showmanship 
The act is to a showman what chemistry was to the alchemist. It is the medium of expression and their point of interaction with the world. It is what they do, their field of study, their work, their living and their life. For the showman, the chemicals are substituted by human beings. The showman's medium is human attention, perception and experience. We can gain insight into the phenomenon of the soul spectacle by looking at it side by side with the alchemists' so-called great work, their ultimate aim, the creation of the Philosopher's Stone. The Philosopher's Stone is a legendary substance, allegedly capable of turning inexpensive metals into gold. For a long time it was the most sought-after goal in Western alchemy. In the view of spiritual alchemy, the Philosopher's Stone is a symbol representing the final outcome of man's inner transformation. Succeeding in its creation would be synonymous with a state of enlightenment in the Maker, thus concluding the alchemist's great work. The way of the showman is a process of creating, with mastery of the craft and basic physical and interactive skills, a higher inspiring experience, a display which materializes truth, enriches and elevates the human experience, to the point that it pushes humanity's understanding of the world and their place in it forward by transmuting what is not yet understood into images, experiences and drama for the crowd to see. The soul spectacle is a manifestation of the evolution of consciousness, the becoming of an individual and it tells the story in the alchemy of time. The act is the visible in the world product of those who follow the way of the showman. It is not itself a final outcome. The act is not what is intended to become gold. The act, like the philosopher's stone, is the catalyst for metamorphosis. The creation of the act is the transmutation of the showman into a source of illumination a shining gold star. Yet this is only the first two steps. The final step and real goal of the act is not just to illuminate the way of the individual showman, it is the illumination of the crowd. It is here we find the act becoming the fulfillment of the illuminated showman's purpose. It ties him into the great web of life and human existence giving his own existence meaning. It gives him his place in the world. All the rehearsals, all the time spent synthesizing experiences, make sense when the crowd's eye takes in the performance of the act. As the true connection between the showman and the crowd is established, the act becomes the catalyst for transfiguration of the crowd. The act becomes a seed that enters into the spectator's open heart, and as the seed sinks in, it shoots roots and sprouts, thus beginning the transformation of the crowd's hearts into gold. This is the alchemical nature of the soul spectacle and the secret showmanship. And so ends our esoteric explorations of the inner secrets of showmanship and uh, the thing that popped into my head as I was reading all of this was that um, 
there is an aspect of the Philosopher's Stone, namely eternal life, that one could live forever as an aspect of the more soul-based uh, characteristics of the this mythical substance, because it is said that, in fact, uh, the Philosopher's Stone was not a stone at all, but indeed a reddish, magenta-colored powder. But that be as it may, um, this thing with eternal life also strikes a chord with me as a showman. That's, of course, one way that uh, somebody can uh, live on is if their name or their legacy or the, their art lives on. So as show folk, as performers and artists, this is, of course, another thing. If we manage to create a true masterpiece, it will be remembered for the the very uh, material that we are shaping is of course the memories and inner experiences of our audiences and it is in there in the memories and experiences of our audiences if they love it enough they will tell the stories and we will live on and uh, that's a beautiful thought right there if you know someone or you can think of anyone who would like what we are doing here, the topics of conversation that we are bringing up here, somebody who wants to look a little bit deeper into the world of showmanship or their own life. Moral development and character development goes hand in hand here at the Way of the Showman. But of course, it is much more powerful if you talk to your friends about it. I can say that my podcast is very good and very interesting, but it is a whole nother story when you tell the story. And we're not looking for an enormous audience of tens of thousands here. I would just hope that those people out there who might be interested, that they would find it. So please feel free to share this on your social media, or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or what they now are all called these days. I don't know. I really don't. And I see from our statistics, though, that we have had... Some increased listenership in uh, in Israel and in Portugal. There's still good listenership in Denmark and Norway, Australia, and uh, a few here in America as well. So thank you all who are listening. And with that, all that's left to be said is uh, take care of yourself, those you love, and I hope to see you all along the way. <laughs>